This podcast is hosted by Dr. Happymon Jacob. Dr. Jacob is an associate professor of security studies at Jawaharlal Nehru University, New Delhi. His weekly column on India's national security and foreign policy issues is published by The Hindu. He is also the author of two new books on India-Pakistan border, Line on Fire by Oxford University Press and Line of Control by Penguin India. Hello and welcome to the National Security Conversation uh, on Monday. Uh, the 6th of uh, December, Russian President Vladimir Putin visited uh, New Delhi for the India-Russia Annual Summit. The two countries signed a total of 28 agreements, renewing the military-technical cooperation for another decade till uh, 2031. Uh, earlier in the day, the Foreign and Defense Ministers of India and Russia met for the inaugural 2 plus 2 dialogue. Um, Russia is the only country outside the Quad uh, with which India has an established uh, a two plus two dialogue. Last month, uh, Russia started the delivery of uh, the much awaited S 400 missile defense systems to India. India went ahead with the deal despite the threat of CAPSA uh, uh, sanctions from the United States. At the summit, um, Prime Minister of India Narendra Modi said that uh, the world has undergone several geopolitical challenge changes, but the India Russia friendship remained unchanged. While there is some substance to this uh, argument by um, by Mr. Modi. Um, the, there are also uncertainties and tensions uh, behind the symbolism. Russia's closer ties with the, with the Chinese and India's greater alignment with the United States in the Indo-Pacific are creating uh, structural challenges for India-Russia bilateral partnership. And yet, the prospects for collaboration remain. Both Russia and India are aware of the risks of placing all their eggs in the um, China basket or the US basket. There is a strategic imperative for the two uh, countries to hedge their bets and collaborate in Central Asia and uh, the Indian Ocean region where their uh, interests diverge from those of China and the United States uh, to some extent. To discuss the um, state of India-Russia relations, uh, the structural difficulties that are beginning to uh, strain them and explore areas for greater strategic cooperation. I have with me Mr. Nandan Unikrishnan. Uh, Nandan Unikrishnan is a distinguished fellow at the Observer Research Foundation in New Delhi. He began his uh, um, career as a journalist with the uh, Press Trust of India, PTI. During his time with uh, the PTI, um, he was the organization's uh, uh, Moscow bureau chief. Uh, needless to say that Nandan is one of our uh, best uh, uh, Russia experts in, in Delhi. But welcome to the National Security Conversation, uh, Nandan Unikrishna. Thank you for inviting me, Happy Moon. Nandan, let's, let's sort of begin with um, uh, what your opinion uh, are on some of the key takeaways from the uh, India-Russia annual summit between, between Prime Minister Modi and President Putin. Um, in, in what is uh, considered to be, I mean, probably the only second visit that uh, President Putin undertook uh, since the beginning of the of the pandemic. Well, I think uh, there was a lot of symbolism imbued in the relationship. Uh, I, I mean, in the visit before he even came, uh, prior to uh, his arrival, India and uh, Russia, they did this delicate two-step you know, in 2019, uh, Putin bestowed Russia's highest honor on uh, Mr. Modi, the Order of St. Andrew. Uh, we, 
in uh, he also is attended uh, prime minister modi's chairing a session on maritime issues at the un he was the only foreign leader who attended that and uh, i mean head of state head of government level who attended that uh, session and on the other hand we have reciprocated yeah, at the un itself when we supported the russians when a resolution was placed uh, by ukraine and several countries against uh, russia and its uh, human rights record in uh, crimea uh, we voted with the russian surprisingly china abstained central asia abstained uh, just as a curious aside someone told me that the tajik ambassador had an urgent need to go to the bathroom when uh, voting was taking place so, <laughs> you know india india in that sense could have uh, happily abstained with 90 other countries but india chose to vote for uh, i mean for russia to, against the resolution the second thing is a couple of days later we co-sponsored with russia a resolution on uh, against glorification of nazism fascism so india also uh, you know undertook certain steps and this is a resolution which is by the way has a lot of history to it because western countries although they are opposed to fascism did not vote for this resolution because the russia had sponsored it you know so once again uh, india found itself on the other side of the fence from the united states with which it's seeking closer and closer ties as you pointed out in your introduction so it's interesting there is this delicate uh, dance going on between Russia and India in uh, navigating uh, the structural problems that the churn in international affairs is causing. But uh, symbolism apart, I think you uh, touched very rightly on the issue that these challenges had to be dealt with, and it was important because many issues were pending. It was important that uh, the leadership meets at the highest level and tries and removes. some of the uh, impediments to what you described as the potential of the relationship and then let me let me do a little bit of um, you know honest uh, stop taking here the india russia bilateral trade is around um, 100 uh, 10 billion dollars far lower than india's trade with uh, china and the us china's trade with the us and russia and even the us trade with uh, russia the the soviet era uh, people to people and cultural contacts between russia and um, india have almost entirely evaporated um, a legacy relationship as it were that india enjoys with uh, russia today based on limited interaction uh, might eventually lose the warmth given that there is very little organic people to people uh content to the relationship so unless the bilateral ties can move beyond arms sale and purchase a phase of stasis will kick in sooner than later in india russia relations do you agree with that assessment yeah absolutely i mean i i think only someone who's a total uh, uh, nowadays modern modern days in india we use the word bakht for anything <laughs> so you know only a total uh, nostalgia driven person about the indo soviet relationship would say that no no everything is hunky dory in our ties with russia there are problems and uh, there some of them are serious uh, but 
my only emphasis here would be on <clears throat> there was a trade and investment faces a structural problem <clears throat> there is no connectivity between direct connectivity between russia and india however now in the past 3 uh, 4 years uh, there have been several initiatives to try and uh, sort of bridge this gap one is uh, the announcement in 2019 of the chennai vladivostok uh, maritime corridor which has curious uh, sort of uh, effect on the whole indo pacific concept the russians are so hostile to uh and also of course re-energizing the north south corridor and getting uh chabahar port to be included in the project because the north south corridor is essentially about uh, bandar abbas so there are structural problems and but trade could have been higher uh in the past 3 or 4 years i would say actually 2 and a half 3 years I think the leaderships of both countries have understood that merely trading arms, as you pointed out, without a solid economic base would lead to eventually a stagnation or a stasis in the relationship. Uh, that, if you look at the joint statement that has been issued by Mr. Modi and uh, Putin at the end of the summit, I think clearly addresses some of those issues the need for connectivity the need for stronger banking ties the need for russia to participate in uh, india's make in india program we participating in joint projects in the far east so there is a much greater urgency uh, reflected in the moves by both leaderships to re-engage economic ties and you're right uh, economic ties are not anywhere commensurate with the potential when the Soviet Union broke up in 1991, uh, India was their primary trading partner. I mean, ra rather, ra Soviet Union was our primary trading partner. So we have a lot of catching up to do. But at the same time, I would not be as skeptical as you were in uh, describing the current situation. Right. So let's let's put it this way: um, the the Soviet era Indo-Soviet nostalgia is not going to take the relationship forward. There is very little economic partnership that India and China uh, has, as you said. There are structural impediments to improving India-Russia uh, trade. Uh, so at the end of the day, there are there are there is very little people-to-people -people connect as it were. So at the end of the day, we are basically talking about arms trade and purchase. So if India tomorrow um, where to sort of um, diversify arms procurement and um, you know and therefore the, the the purchase that we have from or procurement that we have from Russia uh, comes down as it did a few years ago. Do you think the warmth in the relationship that it's that Russia stands by India to some extent and India sort of stands by Russia to some extent will that reduce? Um, so put differently, what? What is behind the, the fact that uh, Russia stands by in India in various international forums? I think, uh, Happy One, you summarized it actually in the beginning. You know, the world is going through an unprecedented churn, and mm -hmm. the emergence of what in the old days Marxists would call the emergence of a new primary contradiction uh, between China and the United States, right? And in that context, India and uh, 
Russia are not the most important players, clearly the other two are. And so India and Russia need to uh, measure their steps to ensure that they retain what we in India call strategic autonomy. And if you look at it structurally again, to maintain that strategic autonomy, uh, the relationship between India and Russia is becomes a very important uh, axis which gives each of us strategic space, if you want, vis-a-vis -vis the other two players, uh, allows us to exercise a certain amount of strategic autonomy. That's point number one. Point number two I would like to make is, I think again, you know, I, I'm not uh, being facetious when I say that uh, while skepticism about trade itself is uh, healthy thing to do because it has to improve. I think the breadth and the depth of the Indo-Russian relationship goes well beyond uh, arms trade. You look at the joint statement, 99 paragraphs, of which I would say 98 or 97 were substantial. And in those 97, 37 are devoted to uh, economic issues. There are some to defense. There is discussion on civil nuclear energy, which other country is operating with us, operating, I mean, not just talking about it, operating in India in the civil nuclear energy sector. Which country is willing to talk to us, not only talk to us, but participate with us in a nuclear project in a third country, like we are doing in Dropur in Bangladesh, right? So therefore no. there are... I see, I, I completely agree with you. I see your point. What I'm trying to get at is, so, if you take the arms sale and purchase out of the equation, what is the driving force behind the relationship? And I'm trying to get at that sort of that source. What is the budget source here? My my point is slightly different. That the driving force comes even before the arms sale. Arms sale is part of that. The driving force is the requirement for India and Russia in the new emerge situation to maintain each other's relationship to create strategic space vis-a-vis -vis the other two big you know, elephants in the room, China and the United States. Neither of us wants to be an ally of each other. We do not want to see the emergence of a hegemon anywhere in the world, particularly in Asia or the Indo-Pacific, because this is our environment. The Russians uh, completely share that with you. So the importance of the relationship is primarily strategic. Then you start imbuing the relationship with other elements to keep it going and get warmth as you described it. So you have arms, you have trade, you have uh, cooperation in science and technology, space, and multiple other things. The uh, third point I was going to make is, yes, people-to-people -people contacts are not as much as they were during Soviet times. But if you remember in Soviet times, those ties were primarily academic and Indian students going to study because the Soviets gave them wonderful scholarships. But today you have an entirely different type of exchange. You have tremendous tourism from India in uh, Russia. If you just look at the numbers, I don't think even at the height of uh, uh, Indo-Soviet relations, the two countries exchanged even one-tenth of the number of tourists that we exchange today. I mean, I am sitting in Goa at one beach here, so I don't remember the name, all the signage along with English, there's a lot of Russian signage. I, in fact, was resentful of it. 
I said, this is, you know, my country. Why am I reading Russian? Yes, I, I feel well disposed to Russians. But, you know, I, if I went to my uh, beach somewhere else and I saw Chinese, I would resent it. So why, why should I see it in Russian also? But it's just the point I'm making is it reflects the number of Russians that uh, Russian citizens that are enjoying uh, Goa. Similarly, if you go to uh, Moscow or St. Petersburg, there is not one tourist attraction at which you will not find 30, 40 Indians. Now, this was something you would not find in Soviet times. So I think there is an appreciation growing about each other, at least amongst the middle classes. Right. I, I think you know, that's, a, that's an interesting point that you made, Nanda, in the beginning about the, the geopolitical aspect of this relationship. I mean, you're talking about a, a, a kind of a quad here, right? Talking about India, China, United States and, and Russia. And, um, you know, if you look at that quad, there are, there are, there are six um, levels of interaction here, six levels of uh, bilateral sort of partnerships here. Um, the, 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 the whole quad is driven in some ways by the Sino-US um, competition, as it were. Uh, and, of course, um, India is close to the United States and uh, uh, Russia is close to, uh, close to China. At the same time, India and Russia has a certain partnership. So, in, given this kind of a uh, geopolitical context, uh, have I understood you correctly um, that India could potentially, India and Russia could potentially use their friendship and relationship in order to hedge their bets against the the other two hegemons, uh, United States of America and uh, and China, as it were. So, there, in other words, it is useful for India to uh, get close to the close to Russian Federation, um, you know, given the wake of the uh, American withdrawal from Afghanistan, uh, etc., so as to sort of, uh, um, you know, have a, have a, have a um, uh, plank ready vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Chinese aggression, as it were. Uh, well, have, I, have I got that completely wrong? No, no. I, being a, a well-trained academic expert par excellence, I think you've summarized my confusing words into exactly the paradigm that it should be. So, in fact, you have uh, spoken what I was trying to express in much, much better words. It's true. I mean, that's exactly what I mean. I wish I had found those words to express my thoughts. <laughs> you know, um, I was quite struck by Sergei Lavrov's words the other day uh, when he said um, that India proved that it is a sovereign country uh, while it stood up to the United States, uh, um, uh, you know, against the potentially U.S. sanctions uh, for, um, I mean, against the Indian purchase of S-400 systems from, from Russia. Uh, but he also said in the same breath that, um, you know, they are quite uh, uneasy about uh, uh, the Indo-Pacific and he calls it the Asia-Pacific and uh, uneasy about the Quad, etc. In that context, of course, he does not see the Indian sovereignty or Indian sovereign choice, as it were. So the question that I have for you is how seriously do you assess uh, the Russian um, objections to Indo-Pacific or the Quad or Indo-US relationship, as it were? Happy Mon, I've heard you well in the past say one thing that, you know, one is words, the other is actions and actions speak louder than words. Uh, so I, I would say that you have to look at what the Russians say and what they do. And if you look at that, you will recognize that they have distinct interests in the Indian Ocean and the Pacific. 
that today their primary adversary is the United States. Today, China is not the enemy number one like it was during the 70s and 80s, or even if never it was enemy number one, it was an important uh, adversary who was in cahoots with the United States at that stage. So there is no reason for Russia today to publicly take steps to alienate China. Because China is also facing pressure from the same adversary that Russia is facing. So it is not going to publicly issue statements uh, condemning China's bases in Tajikistan or saying that China is making incursions into areas of Russian influence. It will take actions to try and stop that. So one of the actions it's taking, for example, to show its independence from uh, China is it participated in military maneuvers with the ASEAN just about, I think a week or 10 days ago. So, that's right. Uh, and it is Indonesia that sneakily brought the Russians in and the Chinese are deeply unhappy about it. So uh, Russia continues to supply and maintain submarines of Vietnam. Vietnam, who is it going to use against? Oh, China is the only adversary that Vietnam has at this point. We have a nuclear submarine from China, Russia on lease. Who are we using it against? Definitely not the United States. So again, you know, the Russian actions in many ways speak much, much louder than the words. This And even if you go by words, you know, you have Lavrov one level, he has a job, he has to project a particular view. So I fully understand that. But you look at President Putin. When President Putin is asked to speak on the Indo-Pacific, he is far more moderate. In fact, in 2019, he virtually almost endorsed uh, Prime Minister Modi's speech at Shangri-La. The only difference is that the Russian formulation, and it is reflected incidentally again in this uh, joint statement, the only thing is that the Russian formulation uh, removes the word rule-based order, which we tend to use. Uh, it removes rule-based orders because Lavrov famously, if you remember us, who makes those rules? If we are not on the table, right. then we are on the menu. So if we don't make the rules, why should we accept them? It's as simple as that. So I am not, uh, uh, again, I am not uh, unduly pessimistic about Russia's uh, uh, position on the Indo-Pacific and the Quad. I also think that Russian interests, strategic interests, will drive them into greater cooperation with India and other middle powers in uh, the Indo-Pacific uh, uh, for some more time. And more than that, I also think that Russians are beginning to see, just as we are beginning to see, growing complementarities in the uh, concept of greater Eurasia and the Indo-Pacific. And in fact, again, I'm referring back to the joint statement, is we are talking about intensifying consultations about these complementarities. Now, that, talking about the uh, Eurasian sort of landmass, as it were, I mean, you also referred to earlier um, the Chabahar port and access to Central Asia through Iran and, and, and Afghanistan. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people in India would sort of um, ask this question, what is there in Central Asia that we have to sort of bend over backwards to get there? Uh, I mean, especially with the new situation that, uh, that, has, that has arisen in Afghanistan, the Taliban is back there, the support of the Pakistanis. Um, China is, of course, uh, uh, the big player in the in the sort of Eurasian landmass. You have, uh, for instance, uh, uh, the FCO uh, almost virtually 
Um, I mean, one could make the argument controlled by the by the Chinese. Um, Russia is reaching out to um, China is reaching out to Russia. China is reaching out to Pakistan. Um, Iranians are not too happy with India for uh, for for a, for a certain um, a number of understandable reasons. So, so we have a problem when it comes to reaching out to Central Asia. One, on the other hand, what is in Central Asia that we should be so um, um, so attracted to um, so that we went over backwards to get there? I think that is a, a very very good question because uh, there is confusion in the. Uh, Indian strategic space about Central Asia and its importance and you have both arguments. One is uh, the nostalgia driven ones who speak, oh we have civilizational ties with that place and you know we exported Buddhism, they exported Babu. So it, you know that kind of thing but, uh, uh, but the point is that there is something today, if you look at it from today's world Central Asia is important to us because that is the first step to stop hegemony in the Asian continent. I'm not even talking about Eurasia. I'm talking of Asia. If Central Asia is falls completely into China's lap, you will very soon find that the Middle East follows and then the Russians and the Indians will be completely isolated. And Russia is an important player. And if the West keeps pushing Russia as it is doing now, the Russians will have no choice but to uh, literally formally ally with China. In which case, now think of geography with us on the tip of the continent, more in the ocean, we are going to be completely isolated. So it is not in our interest. It is fundamentally not in our interest to be isolated from the greater Eurasian, what I call supercontinent, from London to Vladivostok you know, area. We need to engage more. We need to engage more with Eastern Europe. We need to engage more with Central Europe. You know, all these are things that, I mean, we earlier did not have the bandwidth, but I think we now cannot use this, uh, that as an excuse anymore. Lack of human and financial resources. We don't have the time for all that. We need to reach out to these areas if we want to stop hegemony from emerging on the supercontinent. Thank you so much. I think that's that's a fascinating way of um, looking at it. You know, the other question that I have really is about um, um, you know the, the this China-India standoff and the role that Russia can play. Um, you know, traditionally when uh, India and Pakistan um, had crisis situations, it was the United States of America that sort of uh, tried to make peace between uh, Pakistan and India. Um, in 2020, during the Ladakh standoff, you saw um, Rajnath Singh, um, so the defense minister, rushing to Moscow and uh, you know placing order for weapons, etc. Do you think um, Russia um, would be able and willing to play a role? Should there be a repeat of the crisis that we saw in 2020 between India and uh, China in the years to come? You know, uh, Happy Moon, I have to do uh, a little bit. Uh, sort of, of a historical tour here. Uh, recently, there is a lot of distortion, I mean, literally distortion of history taking place uh, amongst international experts, uh, including Indian ones. Uh, you know, we start about talking about how Russia betrayed us in the 62 war, right? Mm -hmm. Russia did not mm -hmm. betray us. In fact, it is in October 62 before the war that we signed the MiG deal, right? That's so, right. That there are, if you look on the ground at historical facts, 
you will discover that in 61, it is Russia that supported us on Goa. After all, India took over Goa through force. That's in the United Nations, there was a resolution to condemn us. Who stopped it? It's not only on Kashmir that the Russians have supported us. Let me take you further down. 1971, why did we sign the treaty with uh, the Soviet Union? We were not afraid of <coughs> Pakistan. We were happy to deal with Pakistan. But we wanted to stop any intervention in that situation by China or the United States. And the Russians played that role, by the way, willingly. Just in case people forget, they signed up, they completely cut off their relationship for the next 30 years with Pakistan. There was nothing from 1971 onwards till 1991, sorry, next 20 years, there was nothing that Russia did with Pakistan. So they Russians have shown us their intent with us. It is for us to recognize, I'm not saying historical reasons. I mean, people changed uh, uh, allies. Uh, Russia were enemies with China. Today, they are almost bosom buddies. All that happens. But all I'm saying is that there is a abiding Russian strategic interest in South Asia. And the fulcrum of that uh, South Asian interest is India. And India should use that as leverage to develop a healthy relationship with Russia. That's right. Um, you know, a lot of people are also concerned about... Um, uh, oh, sorry. The... I didn't answer your uh, fundamental question. Uh, coming to today's conflict with China, I, I, I get so involved with history, I forget about <laughs> <laughs> the present day. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, look, let's look back uh, again, 2020. Uh, where is the first meeting that takes place between the Indian uh, defense or foreign minister and the Chinese takes place in Moscow. Hmm. Where, where hmm. do we run when we want to ensure that during that conflict, arms supplies to us are not interrupted? Who gives us assurances that they will not interrupt any arms supplies? It is again the Russians. Someone who is not any fan of Russia I recently did a calculation and said that if today India was to fight a war with China, 85% of the equipment that it uses would be of Russian origin. So, right. you see, it is important. And the Russians, despite Chinese pressure, have maintained and in some cases expedited deliveries of weapon systems to us throughout the crisis. They have delivered the S-400, which the former Indian ambassador, uh, Mr. Venkatesh Varma, who was in Moscow uh, day before yesterday on a program on Doordarshan described as a game changer on the Western Front for us. So, you know, the Russians are fully aware of what they're doing. And yet they continue doing so. And the Chinese don't mm. for a second believe that the Chinese are just sitting back and enjoying it. They are putting pressure on Russia. They are putting pressure on Russia to try and stop all this. But the Russians are going ahead. So there is a statement of intent, but are there any mm. words behind it? No, there are no words. Now, what do we judge? The actions or the words? Because Lavrov says bad things about Indo-Pacific throughout the same crisis. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, those right. are just words. The actions speak completely different. 
You know, I think the real difficulty comes because of uh, the sort of the, the, the great power rivalry uh, at the apex of it at some level, which is also between uh, Russia and the United States. India needs the United States and uh, for, a, for a variety of reasons, including for uh, checkmating the, the Chinese aggression. Um, India also needs, as you just correctly pointed out, the Russians for precisely the same reasons and others. Uh, now, as we speak, the Russian troops are on the Ukrainian border, and the U.S. estimates suggest that uh, the Russians may actually encroach into uh, Ukraine in the, in, the, in the months to come. We don't know how accurate that is. But the question that I'm, the larger question that I'm trying to ask is, the, the, how much can we um, say how immune um, are India-Russia ties from the vagaries of the, um, uh, you know, U.S.-Russia uh, relationships or confrontation, as it were. No, there is no dispute. The most important relationship for India today is the one with the United States. I completely agree with you. You use the phrase that we need the United States to checkmate China. I will again show you geography and ask you, can you checkmate China without Russia? Just look at geography and imagine Russia, Russia with its natural resources and its brains and its capacities, human resources, wedded to a China. Nobody can defeat them. It doesn't matter if India and US have an uh, absolute alliance. You're not going to be able to prevent the emergence of a new great superpower if the Russians and the Chinese uh, join hands. So. The issue here is, I think, very simple. Yes, the United States was a superpower. Unfortunately, the battle is on in Washington. There is a civil war going on between two different views. One is saying we are not the hegemon anymore. We need to understand and adjust to it. The other saying, let us recapture our hegemony, our primacy, right? These two views, unless that civil war is over, the rest of the world will have to keep uh, hedging their bets. We'll have to wait and see who emerges victorious in that one. But the reality is, whichever way we look at it, uh, containment of China is not really uh, on the cards. You can try and reduce the salience of China in international affairs, try and keep it down a bit, but you're not going to really succeed in containing it. The drivers of Chinese growth are entirely within China. The same as the drivers of Indian growth are within India. They are not in India's foreign relations. It is the Indian people and our economy that will drive our growth if we at last get down to doing the job we are supposed to do. Right. I think um, what what requires at this point of time from um, India is perhaps a, a, a great um, amount of uh, uh, balancing, as it were, smart balancing between the United States and, and Russia. As you correctly pointed out, we need both these countries. There's no question about it. Uh, but how, how, how much agility and sophistication that we show in our diplomacy is something that one will have to wait and see. Uh, I mean, going by what uh, we have been witnessing over the last uh, few months and years, I think um, I'm convinced um, that India, India has been balancing these two uh, great powers um, quite well um, um, for for our for safeguarding our national interest. Uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much, uh, Nandan. Great insights from you, and and I, I'm now convinced that it is no it, it is for no reason 
um, uh, well, there's a great, 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 great amount of um, uh, reason as to why people refer you, um, refer, refer to you as the best uh, Russia hand that we have in we have in New Delhi. Uh, you're making so me blush. Me. <laughs> I said you're making and, me blush now. I'm nowhere near <laughs> the best, uh, but uh, thank you so much for inviting thank me. You, thank you for patiently listening to me. Great insights. Thank you. And thank you everyone uh, for watching us, uh, watching the show. Um, um, and we end here. Uh, have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like this podcast, please rate and follow us. For regular updates, you can also follow our Twitter handle NSC with HJ or our Facebook page National Security Conversations with Happy Mon Jacob.